Thank you for checking out our message here at Caney's Creek City Church. We exist to develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. We want to make you aware of how we can better connect with you through our social media app. Just go to any app store and search for Candy's Creek City Church. Through this, you can find out more about us as a church. We hope you enjoy this message. So I want to invite you guys to read it with me. Ready, go. We foster a healthy family atmosphere because we need each other. So if you're a guest, consider this to mean that we foster and consider ourselves an ever-expanding family, and we would love for you to become part of our family. So this morning, we want to live out this core value and foster a healthy family atmosphere by first celebrating an accomplishment of someone in our family. So Cooper Melton, I think you're right over here. Would you stand up for us, Cooper? This week, Cooper committed to continue his football career at the University of Tennessee. He's gonna be a Vol. Can we give it up for Cooper? It's awesome. We are so proud of him. We actually have some pictures. If you never got the pleasure to watch him play, he was phenomenal. Now, um, for those of us who coach at Bradley, um, Coach Floyd in particular, uh, he probably still has that same look on his face right now. Um, that he had, but you can see Cooper had a great career against us and against everybody else he played against. And so here's the next picture. And this is pretty cool. He did Odell Beckham that, he caught that ball. Um, that's why he's playing at Tennessee, in case you're wondering. If you can catch like that, you can play at Tennessee. And then this was from the sign-in show. So we're just so proud of Cooper. He has an incredible opportunity um, to go chase his dream. And Cooper, with that, you get to just point your teammates and your coaches to Jesus. So I'm really proud of you. We're proud of you. Can we celebrate with him one more time? It's an incredible accomplishment. And since we are a family, we always wanna communicate well when it comes to areas of leadership. And we are an elder-led church, and that means that our elders provide wisdom and decision-making to guide our church to carry out God's vision. So we, and in addition, our elders, we live out that vision just by serving within our church. So our, our elders that are not on our lead team, they're Tom Bowler, Steve Knapp, and Daryl Grady. Um, you'll be hearing from a couple of those next week, which we're really excited about. And then Cody Disney, who was mentioned earlier, our worship and community pastor, and then I serve as our lead team elders, and we're in dual roles. And so as elders, we've really been praying about who to add praying about adding an elder in 2017. And so as we prayed about who to add, God laid a person on our hearts. And this guy and I met at Cracker Barrel to lay out the expectations of that. His wife was really upset because she wasn't invited, but well, I think she's forgiven us at some point. And then after a couple weeks of prayer and just talking to his bride, uh, John Brose is willing to be presented to the church as a potential elder. So I'm gonna ask John, Courtney, and I think that the two oldest boys, Cooper and Raider, are with them. If you guys wanna go ahead and come on up. Are they in here maybe? There we go, yes. Can you guys give it up for the Bros family? We have some pictures of them that will be on the screen. And so we're really excited about them. They have two other little ones, Brooks and Everett. They're both upstairs, but we love them. A little bit about John. John, first of all, loves Jesus. He loves his family. Courtney, Raider, and Cooper are up here. Um, he's a great dad, a great man, and he also serves, uh, he teaches history at Cleveland High School where he is also the head men's soccer coach. 
So John lives out our vision of developing a public church because he serves on our campus by really supporting Courtney. She's one of our city kids leaders and he supports her and just does incredible things to help her live out her role and her passion. And then off our campus, he's a very well-respected coach that points his players and other coaches to Jesus. So we're really proud of you guys. Next week, we're gonna be voting on John as a potential elder. We'll have a special business meeting right after the 9.30 gathering. And uh, John and the rest of the elders wanna give you a chance to get to know the family. So he actually wrote his story and it's on a sheet. You can pick it up at the info hub or the coffee table so you can get to know him and his awesome family and they're awesome. So getting to know them is always a pleasure. If you have any questions for the elders, our email is gonna be on the screen. Send us a question and we'd love to answer. But would you join me in prayer and just praying for this family as they prepare for this exciting new role? Jesus, I love you so much. I thank you for John, and I thank you for the prayer that he put into this process, that he didn't give a flippant answer, that he took time, talked to Courtney, and that they sought you, and they're confident that you were leading them down this road. So I pray for Courtney, that you would guide her and him as, they, as their marriage will enter this new season together. God, I just pray that you would be with Raider and Cooper and Brooks and Everett and that there would just be an incredible time even for them as they see their dad leading in this way. So guide us as a church, prepare the Bros family for this transition and this new role. And we just thank you so much that we have men like him in our church who we can trust to lead. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys. So we're just really excited about those things coming up. And today, I mean, it's really just been a great morning, and we wanna continue our journey called Rebrand. We're in the middle of a series, which is really a journey called Rebrand, and if this is your first week, I invite you to check out our podcast, catch up on this journey. We've had some incredible stories of rebranding. A couple weeks ago, we got to hear Evie West's story, and it was in the form of an incredible film, and you can go to our Facebook page and check that out. Last week, we heard from Michael Ray, and that's on our podcast. And so we just wanna keep moving forward with this idea that God wants to rebrand us. And today, we're getting to the core of why we're here as we rebrand a very specific word. So we're gonna play a little game to help us get ready for that. So here's what you need. You need something to write with and write on or just a phone, okay? Something to write with, write on, or just a phone. It's a little word association game. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say a word and then you're just gonna write down the first one or two words that come to your mind or you can type them out however you wanna do that. It's a little fun game for us to get us thinking about this concept that God wants to rebrand today. So here's the word. Everybody got your pen and paper ready? All right, good. Here's the word. First off, and this is a practice round. All right, so practice round. Here we go, write down Tom Brady. What comes to your mind? Tom Brady. What, you can say it, what? Oh, <laughs> crybaby, cry that's hilarious. There are some Patriot fans in the house, so please, like, I'm just saying, yes, there are a few of them. They might not be many, but there are a few. Anybody else, a word about Tom Brady? Elite, yeah, you can't argue with that. Deflate. <laughs> that's awesome, very good. All right, here's our next word. Okay, we'll do one more practice round just for fun, so it is Super Bowl Sunday. Okay, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Victorious. The Patriot fans are like, losing. Any other words about the Atlanta Falcons? All right, I think you guys get the concept. So here's our word for the day that we wanna talk about. Our word for the day, and don't, don't yell these out. You're gonna have a chance to talk about them in just a minute. But write down one or two words that come to your mind. Here's the word, church. 
just write down or type out one to two words that come to your mind when you hear the word church. Now, in a gathering this size, there's probably a range of emotions and experiences associated with this word. So we just want to take a step towards authenticity and just share this with somebody. So whether you're like family and writing things like family and refuge, you're writing things like fake and I hate it or whatever you're writing down, just take a moment with someone around you. I'll give you a minute. You guys share what you wrote down when you heard the word church. Ready? Go. All right, so you guys have shared, and again, in a room this size, a whole lot of different definitions, a whole range of emotions associated with this word. And so what we wanna do is God wants to rebrand that word today. But before we do that, we gotta ask the question, does it even matter? Does our definition of church really even matter? I mean, some of you are here and you're like, geez, could we talk about anything besides this? It's so churchy. Just kidding, that was really corny, I'm sorry. I apologize, <laughs> just authenticity here, all right? But some of you are thinking, man, could we talk about something else? Now, personally, I'm a words person. I pay, I pay a lot of attention to diction, to how people say things, word choice. I think words matter a whole lot. But, but I've asked the question, am I just weird? Like, do words even matter? You know, does it really matter if we flippantly use certain words, we don't use those other words? And so as I've listened to and read about leadership and things like building a unified culture, implementing a common vision, what I've discovered is that people say words really do matter. That if you wanna build a unified culture, if you wanna implement a common vision, then speaking the same language and defining words the same way is really vital. Because when we interpret words in different ways, what happens is communication breaks down. A simple analogy that a lot of you've probably thought through before is, if you're from the South, okay, and you say the word Coke, what do you mean by Coke? Anything that's carbonated, right? It's like, do you want a Coke? Sure, and that could mean a Dr. Pepper, a Mountain Dew, could even mean a Pepsi. I mean, it could mean anything. But if you're from the North and you say, I want a Coke, what do you want? You want a Coke, right? Okay, you just want a Coke. So, and what would you say, Northerners? Pop, okay, very nice. I can't even say it in my Southern accent. Just say pop. So, we can be saying the same word and totally missing each other. How many of you love sweet tea? Whether or not you're from the South or imported here, anybody love sweet tea? All right, so if you go to grandma's house in rural Bradley County and you ask for a tea, you're gonna get one thing. If you're in London, England, and you ask for a tea, you're gonna get something totally different. Same word, but you're not gonna get grandma's sweet tea if you're in London and just order a tea. So the reality is that the words we use really do matter. And since we are a church, this word matters more than just whether we get the right carbonated beverage or we get the right tea when we're trying to order. It's vital that we have a common definition of this word. So here's what we can agree on. Most of us relate church to a place and or a time. Most of us relate church to a place or a time. In fact, when I use, I got on my phone, I use my Merriam-Webster dictionary app. Anybody else have a dictionary app on your phone? 
Only the cool people have dictionary apps on your phone. If you don't, that's your homework. You should like download one right now. It just like makes you really cool. So when I looked up the word church on my phone, here's what I found. The very first word that showed up, it said this, a building that is used for Christian religious services. And then it had the full definition. And the first two words were, again, a building. The examples it gave were this, the oldest church in town, they would like to be married in a church. I didn't see you at church last Sunday. And I think the app's definition, again, you should get one, but the app's definition really lines up with how we think. Now, you may not have written down time, place, or building, but just think about the way we talk. We say things all the time like, I'm going to church. I need to run by the church. Hey, church starts at 9.30, or I overslept. I'm going to church at 11.30. So by show of hands, how many of you have ever referred to church as a place or a time? Raise your hand. And so, even though we may consciously say, like if you ask us, hey, what is church? You may not consciously say building, place, or time. The reality is how we just respond when we're not really thinking, when we're just talking to somebody, that shows what we really believe. So most of us on some level equate church with a place and a time. So once we start with that, what we need to do is we need to go to God's word and see what Jesus says about church, and he may actually want to rebrand the idea. So we'll start with Jesus. Jesus actually only used the word church three times. And if you wanna write these down, you can look them up later. He used the word church in Matthew 16, 18, and then he used the word church two more times in Matthew 18, 17. And all three times, Jesus uses a Greek word that's ekklesia, a word that's synonymous with the Hebrew word kalal in, in the first section of the Bible, which is called the Old Testament. Both words, here's what they mean. They simply mean this, an assembly or a gathering. Jesus uses the word and he never refers to a place or a time. He refers to a group of people, a community of his followers. So then if we fast forward, Jesus dies, rises again in this movement begins to take shape, it begins to sweep the world. It's a movement of Jesus followers. It's centered on the reality that Jesus came to earth as a human and he was fully God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, an innocent man, dying for our sins, for our mistakes. Three days later, he rose from the dead and it ignited a movement that was spreading across the whole Middle East. And this movement came to be known as the early church. And the leaders in the early church, they, they wrote letters based on Jesus's life and teaching as they're really working out and laying the foundation for this movement. And these letters really define what it means to follow Jesus and they make up the majority of what we would call the New Testament. So how do these letters define church? Well, if you wanna open your Bible, if you wanna click on your Bible app to Acts chapter eight, verse one, we're only gonna look in a couple different places, but keep in mind, these are the pioneers of the Jesus movement, the pioneers of the church. They're literally building the church from scratch. And here's how they use the word church. In Acts chapter eight, verse one, it says this, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So here we see the word church. If you try to take out church and insert building, it doesn't really work. Why would you persecute a building? If you take out the word church and say time, they're persecution against the time in Jerusalem, it doesn't make sense. And then the pronoun that replaces church is they, indicating that once again, church is a gathering. It's not a place, it's not a time, but it's 
people. And then if you'll flip over to Acts chapter nine, verse 31, here's what it says there. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The church, a gathering, a group of people was built up. And it says the church was walking. Anybody ever seen a building walk? I didn't think so, okay? But people, I've seen people walk every day. People can walk. And what this means is they were following Jesus. Buildings can't follow Jesus, but they were following Jesus. That's what it means that they were walking in the fear of the Lord. And as this group of people followed Jesus, it multiplied. See, in the New Testament, the word church always signifies a group of people. It always signifies a gathering. It never ever means a place or a time. So the church is not a place. It's not a time. But here's what the church is. The church is a gathering of Jesus followers. The church is not a place. The church is not a time. The church is a gathering of Jesus followers. On its most basic level, the church is any gathering of Jesus followers. On another level, it's a local gathering. Like right now, we are a local gathering of Jesus followers. And on its broadest level, the church is a global gathering of Jesus followers. That means every single Jesus follower on the planet is united under the name of Jesus to form the local church. So if we go back to what Jesus said, he said this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Speaking about gatherings and thinking about that. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. This is the same chapter. This is one of the only times Jesus referenced church. And right after mentioning church, he mentions people gathering in his name because for Jesus, the church is always a group of people. So as simple as it sounds, if we wanna rebrand church, we first have to change the way we talk. Rather than saying things like, I'm going to church, well, I'm going to a gathering. Church starts at 9.30. Well, our gathering starts at 9.30. Because the church is not a place or a building. And if we talk like that, it seeps into our mind. And every time we say something like, I'm going to church, I'm stopping by church, we are subtly telling ourselves that the church is a place and the church is a time. And that is not how Jesus or any of the pioneers of the early church defined the word. And the reason this matters so much is because the church has a special role in God's plan. And this role cannot be limited to a place and time. If you would flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians is written by one of the founders of this early Jesus movement, a guy named Paul. And he speaks to the purpose of the church in Ephesians 1:22. Here's what he said. And he said, and he, God, put all things under his, that's Jesus's feet, so he's saying, and God put all things under Jesus's feet and gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. Notice what it says next. The church, which is a place, which is a building, which happens at 11 in Jerusalem. No, he doesn't say that. He says the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the church has a special role, a special mission in God's plan. And here's what it is. The church is Jesus's body and Jesus's fullness. 
The church is Jesus' body and fullness. Now, that may sound strange. It's like, what does it mean that the church is Jesus' body? Here's what it means. We are the very presence of Jesus in the world. See, when Jesus came to earth, religion centered on a temple. To encounter God, what you had to do is you went to a temple. And even the pagan religions or the people that are trying to follow God, they all thought the temple, this place, was sacred. And God either lived in the temple or you had a special opportunity to connect with God in the temple. And Jesus shows up and he says, God's presence is not associated with the place, but with people. The presence of Jesus is associated with his followers. And that is what the entire New Testament is teaching, and here's why that matters. If Jesus' presence is tied to a place, then the only hope for people knowing Jesus is to get them here on Sundays. And a lot of people come on Sundays, and we want them to come to our gatherings, and we love our gatherings, but the reality is some people won't come. You know that, and I know that. Some people simply, no matter what we do, even if we bribe them with like really nice lunch or whatever we do, they still won't come. So if Jesus' presence was tied to this place, then they would miss Jesus unless they showed up here. But here's the deal. Jesus' presence is tied to you and me. So we can go into work, and the person that won't come to a gathering, we could say, hey, let's get lunch. And then we can talk about Jesus there. We could even start a Bible study at school or at work in our place of influence, and we can spread the story of Jesus there. We can talk about Jesus in God's restaurant in Chick-fil-A, right? It's God's restaurant. We know we can talk about him there. But here's the deal. We can also walk across the road to Aubrey's or Logan's and we can talk about Jesus there too because where two or three are gathered, Jesus is with us and we as the church, we carry the very presence of Jesus. We're his body, his representatives on earth, but we are also the fullness of Jesus. That means that we carry the authority and the power of Jesus. If you would look back at that passage, look with me at verse 19. Right before this, Paul writes of the power of Jesus. He says this in verse 19. He says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. God's power raised Jesus from the dead and it seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now check this out, this is incredible. That Jesus sits far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Jesus has unparalleled authority. He, his name is so far above every other name that you can take the greatest names in history and don't even, they don't even deserve to be mentioned in the same book as Jesus because he reigns so far above everyone and everything. And we as the church, we carry his fullness. We have the power and the status of Jesus. So here's what that means. That when we enter into places where we're tempted, we're carrying with us into that moment the fullness of Jesus, the power to resist that temptation. That when we go to work, we carry with us the fullness, the power, the name of Jesus to do our work, to do school with excellence so that we can point people to Jesus there. That when we face adversity, we're not facing adversity alone. We're facing adversity with the very power of Jesus that caused him to conquer death and rise up from the dead. 
as the church, we carry the body, the presence, the fullness, which means the power of Jesus into the world. And that's incredible. So practically, on a practical level, how does that change the way we live? If the church is not a place, it's not a time, if the church is a gathering of Jesus' followers, and if as the church, if we literally carry the presence and power of Jesus with us wherever we go, and that's our role in the world, then how does this change the way we live? Here's what it means. Rather than going to church, we should be the church. Rather than going to a place, we should actually be the church. Church is not a place we go. Church is who we are. This is the paradigm shift. This is the rebranding that God is leading us to. And if you look at Ephesians 5, if you want scripture to back this up, in Ephesians 5, you can just flip over in this incredible letter. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, Paul writes, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then it says what Christ did for the church. It says he did what? He gave himself up for her. What does that mean that Jesus gave himself up for the church? What does it mean? He did what? He died. I heard some of you say it. it means Jesus died for the church, okay? He didn't die for a building. He died for people. Jesus didn't die for a slot on Sunday, but he died for everyone who was ever born. And Jesus lived in a world where place mattered so much, where God dwelt in a temple, and the only way to connect with God was to go to the temple. And in that world, Jesus died for the church. And please understand that Jesus didn't die to redirect us to a new place. Jesus died to fundamentally change who we are. Jesus didn't die to redirect us away from the temple to a new place, a new time. Jesus died to fundamentally change who we are. It's not about going somewhere, but becoming something. It's not about going to a place, but being a group of people who carry the presence and power of Jesus. And this is huge, because it's way easier to go somewhere than it is to be something. Going somewhere means that we give up an hour and a half every week. Being something consumes our every moment. Going somewhere is a nice ritual that makes us feel better about ourselves. Being something is a lifelong process where the dark and hidden things in our life that we don't wanna look at, we don't want anybody to find out about are brought to life as Jesus changes us. Going somewhere is as simple as showing up and leaving. Being something means letting others in and changing together. See, it's not about going to a place. But Jesus wants to rebrand our concept of church so that we begin to literally be the church. And thankfully, I love the word of God. It's so practical. In Ephesians 4, there's two verses, 15 and 16, that spell out very practically what it means to be the church. And just a side note, we're camping out in Ephesians. If you need a place to read in the Bible, like read Ephesians, it's phenomenal. Now, it's kind of hard to understand sometimes. You may want to like read it in a community group with some other people, but just like read Ephesians. This book is absolutely phenomenal. And so here we are, Ephesians chapter four, verse 15. And our question is how can we be the church? So in verse 15, it says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, 
So how can we be the church? We can grow up in every way into him. Here's what that means. The only way to be the church is to be with Jesus. The only way to be the church is to be with Jesus. Because church isn't something that we're going to. It's who we are. We are the church. And the only way to be fundamentally changed at our core so we become the church is to spend time with Jesus. He's the only one who can fundamentally change us. So we say it like this here. We say we make Jesus our pattern by weaving him into our every moment. That's what it means to be the church, that we make Jesus our pattern by weaving him into our every moment. But the only way to know how to follow the pattern is to spend time with him. And so we have to set aside time to get in his word. And this is not enough. If the only time that we are with Jesus is on a Sunday morning, that is not enough time for him to change us. So if we're gonna literally be the church, we may have to rearrange our schedules. We may have to get up earlier or stay up later. We've got to figure out a way to be with Jesus, to spend more time in prayer, to spend more time in the word. And if you don't know where to start, if you're here today and you're like, oh, I want to be with Jesus, but I don't know where to start reading, just start with the book of Mark. It's one of the books that's the stories of Jesus. It's 16 chapters. So here's something really just simple. You could read four, a, a chapter a day, four days a week. That means you're only reading every other day and you'd have the whole book read in a month. And you can take the first step towards being with Jesus and actually being his church. But it's not enough to just be with Jesus. We also have to be with other Jesus followers because that's the other way we grow up into him is being with Jesus and being with his followers. And so that's why we offer community groups here. Community groups are opportunities for us to be with other Jesus followers so we can push each other and grow up in every way into Jesus and actually be the church. It's not just something we're going to, it's something that we're being. And if the community groups don't work, I'm so proud of some men that I know that have just started a community group on their own. Nothing related to our church. They just said, hey, we need to be around other Jesus followers. So they're just starting it. They've gotten together and they're just forming it themselves. So we've gotta have community if we're gonna be the church. So if a community group doesn't work with your schedule, we can really make that happen. We can find a mentor. We can have an A-team, our name for disciple-making groups. But if we're gonna be the church, we've gotta grow up into Jesus. And the only way to do that is to be with Jesus and to be with his followers. And then in verse 16, another way to be the church, it says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is that part that's hard to understand. So if you like science, you're tracking here. You're like, yes, I love science. We're talking about the body being joined and held together that word joints could actually substitute for ligaments. But if you don't like science, you may be lost. Here's what this means. In order for us to be the church, we've gotta be with Jesus, be with his followers, but we also have to embrace our role in the church that every single one of us has a part to play. And it's talking about ligaments. And if you don't know a lot about science, ligaments are pretty much essential. You got ligaments and tendons that are holding our bones and our muscles together. And they're often overlooked until you tear one or strain one. And then you realize, wow, that's awesome. And so here's what Paul's trying to say, like you've gotta have it. And so here's what Paul's trying to say. He's saying, just because you think 
that your role is overlooked. It is essential. Because the last part of this verse says, makes the, when each part is working properly, when all of us embrace our role, and church isn't something we go to, but church is who we are. When every single one of us begin to be the church, that's what makes the body of Christ grow and builds itself up in love. Because the reality is that I'm not the church. On your own, you are not the church. But together, we are the church. It's impossible. It's foolish for you or I to think that on our own, we could accurately represent Jesus to the world. That we could accurately depict the fullness of Jesus to the world. That, that's foolish to even think about. But together, all of us being with Jesus, being with other Jesus followers, all of us are embracing our role in the church, then together we can show the world who Jesus is and what he is about. And so we provide lots of opportunities for people to do that because church has to be who we are and we have to begin to fill our role because here's what happens. When we fill our role, then we give the world a glimpse of God's character. When we fill our role, we actually give the world a glimpse of God's character. And here's how that plays out as part of our church. When you serve in City Kids, which is birth through kindergarten, or Roots, which is first through fifth grade, you serve in Branches, which is sixth through eighth grade, sixth through eighth grade, it'd be great if I could talk. Here's what that means. You reveal Jesus's passion for the next generation and you reveal his love for children. When you embrace your role, you show a glimpse of God's character. When you serve on the welcome team, whether that's being outside and helping someone find a parking place, whether that's holding up an umbrella and walking somebody in on a rainy day, whether it's smiling and just talking to someone and not just saying, hey, and then going back to your friends, but actually talking to them and asking a question and listening. And then when you're in here and it's crowded and you're helping them find their spot, when you serve on the welcome team, what you are doing is you are revealing Jesus's welcoming heart that he is always inviting us into his family. And when you serve on the hospitality team, when you serve by serving coffee and food, by helping people find the restroom or find where city kids or find where roots are, you reveal the incredible hospitality of Jesus and how he wants us to feel at home in his presence. And when you serve on a production team, you reveal God's desire to engage us. The lights, the lyrics, the mix, the smooth transition, the authenticity, when things don't go right, all of these engage us, help us enjoy the gatherings and utilize technology to spotlight Jesus, when you serve on the worship team, you don't lead worship. It's not something you do, but you're a worshiper. It's gotta be who you are. In other words, as you are the same person on and off stage, then people see that you are using your talents with authenticity to spotlight Jesus. And people don't look on the stage and see performers. They see someone who's just part of the crowd and who is using their talents to spotlight Jesus. When you serve by leading welcome time like Alex did today, by worshiping, inspiring, and setting the tone. You reveal God's desire for us to simply be ourselves in his presence. And when you serve on the creative team, you reveal the infinite innovations of the creator of the entire universe. I mean, think about it. We serve the God who made everything from nothing. So your pictures, your videos, your graphics, they're all showing off the creativity of the one who made everything from nothing. 
And when you serve on the prayer team or in the refuge room, you teach people how to pray. You teach them how to just be with Jesus so that he can change us. And in the refuge room, you create safe spaces for people to bring their questions. And that reveals God's desire to be our refuge. When you serve on the finance and give team, you reveal the incredible generosity of our God who has unlimited resources. And our finance team this past year, they budgeted for generosity. And so here's what happened this past week. This past week we got word, or two weeks ago we got word that there is a, a need in Romania. We have a partnership in Romania with a local church there. And this local pastor named Horia, he's a goat farmer, and that's basically how he, he's bivocational. That's how he supports himself so that he can pastor. And so winter there has just been honestly terrible. And so some churches in the West Tennessee area and us, those churches have raised $2,000. Because our finance team budgeted generosity, we're able to give $1,000. So there's gonna be $3,000 going to Romania this week to help Horia survive through the winter. Because the goats basically have a huge impact on him able, being able to do ministry. And I know it sounds crazy, but the health of those goats, him being able to make money off his goat farm, that enables him to go and do ministry. That's ways that we can be the church and we're showing the world God's generosity. And when you serve at the info hub and you make it easy for people to find out how to be, get in a community group and discover how to serve, you're letting people figure out how to find and embrace their role in the church. And some of you, you host community groups, you host A-teams. When you do that, you reveal God's desire for us to live in community and depend on each other. And when you serve on the street team, when you serve out in the community, you reveal that Jesus came to serve. Jesus had all the authorities, the name above all names, yet he lowered himself to serve and to make others' lives better. And we have a brand new way of serving where we're gonna be going onto middle school campuses, onto high school cam campuses during lunch just to simply build relationships with those students there. And when you do that, you're giving the world a glimpse of a Jesus who left the comforts of heaven to come onto our turf. You're showing that our God pursues us, that he doesn't sit back waiting for us to come to him, but you're going onto those campuses, pursuing those kids, and by filling your role, you're showing them that God is also pursuing them. And as we serve through our International Friends Network, we reveal that our God has an unquenchable passion to see the nations worship Jesus. In fact, if we look at one of the final pictures of the church, in Revelations chapter seven, verse nine and 10, here's what it says about the church. It says, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Did you hear that? That the picture of the church at the end is a picture of the nations, people from every tribe, every language standing before the throne. And it says, they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And it's as simple as yesterday, we had people here sitting with internationals, welcoming them and giving them an opportunity to simply practice their English through Conversation Corner. And as people did that, they weren't going to a place. They were being the church. That's the opportunity that God has before us. When we let him rebrand church, it's no longer about a place we go to, but it becomes who we are. 
And on Tuesday night, some of you guys, you took the step towards being the church. You came to We Serve. You said, I'm gonna come to We Serve so that I can begin to find and embrace my role. And this Tuesday night at seven o'clock, it's We Serve Part Two, an opportunity for us to actually take action, to not just hear this on Sunday and then move on with our lives, but to actually take action and stop just going to a place, stop just thinking about a time, but suddenly to be the church that God has called us to be. So as the band comes up, the challenge is very simple for us today. Would we be the church? We be the church that Jesus wants us to be. And as we as a church, we've been going through a rebranding process and we've been praying about what is our name and where is God leading us in that? As we begin to pray about that, we begin to ask the question, is there a name? Is there a name that, that shows us that we've gotta be the church? Is there a name that leads us to honor Jesus on and off our campus, to worship Jesus wherever we are? Could there possibly be a name that speaks to our vision, that speaks to the New Testament definition of church, that it's not a place we go to, but that we are the church wherever we are? And so as our elders prayed about that, God led us to our name. You guys wanna know what our name is? Guys, a couple of you are excited. God has led us to the name Public Church. It's who we are. It's part of our vision. And within that name is a reminder, the way we've always defined public is that we wanna blur the lines between what occurs on and off our campus. So as God rebrands us to become public church, in our name, there's always a reminder that church is not a place you go to, church is not a time on Sundays, but church is who we are. And that wherever we are, we must be the church. So we're so excited to continue on that journey. And next week we'll be voting on that as well as when we vote on John. And if you have any questions about this, email the office, I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Our leadership is known since early January and we've been processing and just so excited to move into this new name, this rebranding, where we can be the church that God has called us to be. So here's how I wanna challenge every single one of us, myself included, to respond. Just take out your phone, and as the band leads us in the song, just take a moment and send a text to yourself and to one other person. And in that text, just say, this is how God wants me to be the church. Because it's so easy for us to hear talks and to hear truth and then just to leave and be the same. But if we would actually send ourselves a text, then we might remember. And if we send it to somebody else, then they're gonna remember and ask us about it. So just sending a text to yourself and to someone else of just how God is leading you to take action and actually be the church. So let's lean into this rebranding process together. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this time. I pray that you would just empower us to not just go somewhere, to not limit our role in your plan to time or a space, but God, that we would be a public church, that wherever we are, we would be spreading your fame. Give us the courage to send that text and then give us the action to follow up and actually do it. And we pray, amen.